Welcome, welcome to another... The official podcast of The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. Do you hear that, Ern? The Leaky Cauldron. Just go. You're wasting time. Get your kicks. It's Pottercast number... What? What? 66! 66! I'm Melissa. I'm here with my pal Sue and John. Yay! Hello! We got a bag of tricks for 66. It's a fantastic show. And before we do anything, though, we have to hear from our good old friends at Borders. Today's podcast is brought to you by Borders. Get a magical start to your holiday shopping by visiting Borders for all sorts of bewitching books, spellbinding music, and enchanting movies. Pottercast listeners can get 30% off of any item at Borders by clicking the coupon at the top of Pottercast.com. Visit BordersStores.com to locate the Borders nearest you. Well, let's say this. Podcast Alley, it's a new month, December 2006, the last time in the year that you get to go show your support for us Uh, on Podcast Alley. I know you're so excited to go do it right now. That you're going to pause the show, this is gonna be go the- to pottercast.com, and go to the little input thing on the side and just put in your email address and click vote, and you're done. Well, no, you're not this done. It's going to be the biggest December we've ever had on Podcast Daily. I can feel it's it. It's not the only December we've ever had, so. It's not, but it's going to be the biggest. Okay. It's going to be the biggest of the whole year. John has demanded December's. it. Before we get on to the show, also remember we are going to be live in Phoenix Rising at the New Orleans Convention, Harry Potter Convention, in, uh, from May 17th to May 20th. Our live show is the 17th, and I'm giving a keynote presentation sometime that weekend. So go to the, yes. thephoenixrises.org to register. If you're registered, you're into the show. No problem. So what else do we have on the show for you today? In Canon Conundrums this week, will Percy Weasley yeah, redeem himself in Book 7? And in Extendable Ears, we have the last part of Donna's fantastical interview with the people from Electronic Arts and the Order of the Phoenix video game. Yay, Rock. Yeah. Yay, Donna. Really great interview. I'm really, I'm really proud. I'm just proud. Well, before we do anything else, how about we go and hear Sue's news? I love Sue's news. It's my favorite news of the show. Oh, yes, we do have some news, John. We have a bunch of news. In fact, over the weekend, cable station ABC Family here in the United States broadcast some brand-new behind-the-scenes footage on the making of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. There were multiple new clips and interviews with cast members, including new footage such as our first look at the Weasley family celebrating Christmas at Grimmauld Place. There's Luna Lovegood, and we even saw the DA and Harry teaching them about stunning spells. We also saw quick looks of Bellatrix Lestrange taunting Harry at the Ministry, as well as her attacking Neville. Other new footage included a quick glimpse of the Order of the Phoenix with shots of Tonks, Kingsley, and Mad-Eye Moody, as well as one, frankly, very powerful look at the moving photograph of the original Order of the Phoenix that actually shows the Marauders standing together, with James Potter and Sirius Black standing next to Peter Pettigrew. You can find these amazing clips and new interviews via our video galleries at leakynews.com. Speaking of the Order of the Phoenix film, the Australian Office of Film and Literature Classification has updated their website with a ruling that the new trailer for the film will have a runtime of two minutes. This is possibly for the international trailer of the film, which we hope to see in the next month or so. Warner Brothers has also confirmed to TLC that the original DVDs of the Harry Potter films will be pulled from the shelves next month. The first three will no longer be available after January 5th, and the Goblet of Fire DVD will not be seen on shelves after January 22nd, 2007. 
On a related note, there are rumblings that a commentary is now appearing on the brand new high-definition DVDs of the movies. The first high-definition DVD became available in the UK last week, and one reader reported that a running commentary by James and Oliver Phelps appears on the Goblet of Fire high-def DVD. We are trying to verify this, and we'll update with more on this as soon as we can. In book news now, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince was a winner of a Scottish Book Award last week. Yay, congratulations. Author J.K. Rowling was unable to attend this award ceremony, however, sending instead an apology where she said, quote, I'm sorry, I'm unable to receive this award in person, but I currently have my head down writing the final book, which is coming along nicely, end quote. Go, Joe. In other piece of book-related news now, author Ray Bradbury has stepped forward to defend Joe against a reverend who is in favor of burning the Harry Potter books as a form of protest. Author Bradbury, who wrote the classic novel Fahrenheit 451, says in response, quote, There's nothing wrong with the Potter books because they're not promoting witchcraft. They're promoting being wise, end quote. Well said. Well, to see much more news and information from the world of Harry Potter, please click on leakynews.com, which is updated continually. Guys? So, lots of lots of good, juicy news. That's what I call yeah. some great news. We, we well, do have the commentary, which is like breakthrough news and DVD news. and Our first ever commentary for HP DVD. Except? Except that it's not. Except that we did them. Except, Except that yeah. we did way better first, ones. First, <laughs> the first baby. official commentary. Oh, first well, official Pottercast, commentary. Pottercast did do a DVD commentary. We'll put a link in the, in yes, the show notes. Should. What do you think, guys? They heard, they heard the fans were taking it into their own hands, and they decided that they had to do something about it, right? Well, that's how it always <laughs> works, isn't it? Uh, yeah, sure. People made yeah. fan movies before the actual films came out, so they're like, maybe if we could make movies. And then they I did. really doubt that's how that went that was the progression of course okay anyway um, it's it's neat because the, the, it's, they have the the phelps twins doing this and it's apparently it's like a picture in picture thing that's on so we didn't what? have that on ours but i'd be kind of curious to see if they're as funny as we are why the phelps twins all no offense to the phelps they're twins. cool and yeah they're funny but they're not in most on. of the movie well, I, you know, maybe they just because they had more time to get them. I don't, you know, this is what I, I just maybe it's an experimental thing with them, and they didn't want to have Dan to be able to because with his schedule, maybe he just couldn't sit and do it. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, it looks like we're going to get a trailer, another trailer soon. The international Ooh. trailer, is that right? Yes, it's the um, the Australian um, Film Board did their updated their website, and it's a two minute trailer. And we think it's the international trailer, which is due probably within the next month or so. And cool. maybe two. Two minutes. I say, bring it on, baby. Two minutes. That's huge. It. That's, it is. Yeah, that's twice that's the, the whole trailer movie. we just saw. Okay, John. <laughs> no. That's like one. <laughs> Except for the whole two hours and 28 other minutes. Right. No, that's, that's, no, that's not right. Is that math? Well, Are we doing math? Yeah, math. Please, that's let's like not. one. I don't know. Never mind. Anyway, moving on, we have book news, which I want, which I really want to talk about. Joe says that she currently has her head down, right, down writing the, the final book, and it's why she didn't go to a book award ceremony, which is interesting, right? Because it, it was a Scottish book award. That's even more so. so which is, right? It's know. not like she had to fly somewhere. She no. could just go. Uh, interesting. Well, Scott. When we say Scottish, though, where was it? Because. Uh, I think, I don't know if it was Scotland. actually presented. Yeah, but I don't Thanks, think it was John. presented. In... <laughs> yeah, Always count on you. Yeah. Well, um, you asked. 
but the fact that when she sent a, sent a message and you know that she couldn't do it because she's writing, I just thought that was. No, I mean she hadn't won an award, I think, in Scotland in like five years or something. I just was. Though she did say coming along nicely, she's usually a little bit more forthcoming, or at least she teases a little bit to say to say that she's almost done. Maybe she's mm-hmm. getting sick you know? of it. Maybe she's just in a mood. She's like, I gotta finish this thing. Everybody, quit bothering me with these awards. You think Joe's in a mood, and so she's not gonna go. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Joe can get in moods. Well, of course she's, she could, but I, I think she's she's a pro. and She's going to show up for an award ceremony. I mean, well, she's but she must girl. have been really busy. I just well, if she, she showed up for every award that they gave, ever gave her, oh, that's true. She might be going to awards a lot, and might have to pick and choose her her awards. Oh, for sure. But, but these were Scottish school children that voted for it. That was pretty cool. I have to pick but and choose which awards I go to. Everybody <laughs> has to. <laughs> All those dollish awards keep flying in, do they? They're piling up. But you I know the fact that she's still writing on it. Mm-hmm. Do you have you have a special little area, a little dollish corner? In the, in I the- do. Can we not? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you asked. Speaking of Joe, <laughs> yes. she recently got torched in the press again by book oh. burners, but but not her, but her books. But Ray Bradbury, of all people, that well, not I mean, it's actually a very good fit. He wrote yes. Fahrenheit 451, which is the book about censorship, about burning books. So he comes along and and just totally smacks down this reverend from Michigan who is so famous for burning Harry Potter books. I love it when these when these um, these great authors just come out and and call people for what they are. What did he say about that reverend? That he's a stupid man. And he should sit down yes. and shut up. <laughs> yes, <laughs> sit down and shut up. But, you know, I, I like, too, what he said, though, about the books, that they're not promoting witchcraft, that they're promoting being wise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Brains. And, you know, I mean, in this, it's so weird because when you speak to people who, especially out of the country, don't understand how we have all this censorship and, you know, and it's really hard for a lot of us to imagine that their book burnings still take place. And, and yet, as someone pointed out, too, that they actually paid money to buy the books to burn, which is somewhat ironic and yeah i know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they supported the franchise just to yes. have the right to burn it and hey yes. look it's it's a free country you have a right you know but you just gave I, jk Rowling a couple bucks there you go so i don't know but I just, it, it's you try and understand that people have their point of view and you can express what you want but i just something like book burning i just i don't understand what that achieves and it sends stuff into the atmosphere that doesn't need to be there and it's just no. Very bad for the environment. And every book, every Burns book enlights the world? Is that what the Ralph Waldo Emerson quote is on book J.K. Rowling's site right now? Book burning is responsible for global yeah. warming. John. Pretty much. <laughs> that's that's a different... No. So, anyway, uh, in, in other news, what did, Alan Rock, what did Alan Rickman say? Oh, well, Mr. Rickman was on a Canadian talk show recently, which is... And this is actually pretty interesting because, he, one, he does not do many interviews, and two... We have the video up, which you get a longer interview. It was almost 15 minutes with him, which is just really mm-hmm. quite a treat. And he's, you know, I mean, he speaks about his work with the theater and other things, too. But he did speak very briefly about being in Order of the Phoenix. And um, he mentioned that the scripts tend to focus, to draw the focus down on the three kids. And he and the adults are pretty much in the background. Now, was he saying that it was great or not or... No, I think that he was just trying to avoid speaking about his character at all. 
because it was obvious. <laughs> he know? doesn't give interviews about Snape. He does not no, do he does it. Not. Um, no. Which I mean, yeah, we haven't seen him give an interview in all this time. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah, well, good for him for pointing it out. But you know, yeah. whatever. They're going to have to bring them forward when they need to bring them forward. Like, I don't blame them for focus. If, there's, if you're going to focus on the kids or the adults in these movies, pick the kids, you know. Right. Why have to be but, or? Because it's going to muddle things up so badly to have to go focus on all these other plots. They focused mm-hmm. on Hagrid and Madame Maxine just fine. Mm-hmm. Nah, I'd rather but, I mean, focus on Snape than Madame Maxine. Well, yeah. Well, it looks like they're going to in this film. Yeah, I think so. Because right. it was really obvious to me that he was not going to answer anything yeah. about his, you know. Mm-hmm. What he knows. Yeah. Oh, wow. What if book anyway, seven comes out and it's like, goes one chapter, things happening at Hogwarts, one chapter of the trio, and like all the Hogwarts stuff is like the teachers and things. Then movie seven will will reflect that. What's the big deal? Well, they could just cut out all those chapters that didn't have the trio. No. When it's movie seven, it'll reflect it accurately. Hmm. Okay. Warner Brothers, by the way, taking the DVDs, DVDs off the shelves. Get your Harry Potter no. DVDs right now. Get yes. them now. Make sure you have all four. They're a good sale price in our shop. You can get them. Click on cauldronshop.com. Cauldron now, why do, why do companies com. usually do this? Companies, because usually they're going to release better versions, it seems to yeah. be, in the future. Well, how long, can how we, long do we have to buy them? Till end of January. How many? January seventh for the first three. January twenty second for the goblet. Mm-hmm. Well, how many hours, minutes, seconds, and um? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, Mr. Creative Director, you get right on making a new widget for us. Did you? you do that, John? I, I think Warner Brothers <laughs> should put that on the top of their website. I want to know how many seconds are left. They should. They should. Um, speaking of websites, mm-hmm. we've got yeah, a new I'm great one for you. Yes, we do. Yay! Steve's is back. And he's better than ever. He's it's, anyway. Spives.org is our the ultimate Harry Potter search. There is nothing about Harry Potter you can't find in the search um, that you can find anywhere else. There's just no way. Um, yep. Between, I mean, we have the largest news archive, the largest image archive, the largest video mm-hmm. archive, the largest information archive, the great essay archive, the podcast. We have the most frequently published podcast, the J.K. Rowling quotes. There, there's nothing here that you need to, that you're not going to find. That's so. Great. Uh, go check it out. It's amazing. And it's just the amount of work that went into it. I mean, I just, I, I get all emotional, but the people we work with here are just phenomenal. And this is really an amazing thing, search thing that you can go find whatever you want, all the neat graphics. It's just bravo. Bravo. And you get bravo. to go a lot add, of good fun. You get to go add quotes to Peeves. Yes. And, and you make Peeves say all kinds of ridiculous things if we <laughs> yeah. approve it. Yes, my if little boy. Yes, my little boy I, enjoys that, though. So. <laughs> I went in there and have Peeves call Alex all kinds of names, and Peeves didn't approve many of them. Oh, stop. Which was unfortunate. Yeah, that's unfortunate. But it also, I mean, has the database of the largest product, official yes. product database there is online. I mean, it's just, yep. I'm so impressed. I wish I could say I had something to do with it, but these people on Leaky are amazing. So that's good stuff. On that note... Mm-hmm. My friends, is it time to go? Bye. See you at the flip side. Well, goodbye. And now it's time for Canon Conundrums featuring Steve Vanderark from the Harry Potter lexicon. Listen in as our panel tries to figure out one specific issue from the Harry Potter canon. 
Who could possibly figure that out? And we're back with kind of conundrums. Number 66. Uh Oh, one more six. And you know where that leads. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Okay. (laughs) What's the topic, oh, John one? The John one? That's not what I do. Oh, I don't know. I just say the funny voice title of the segment. Okay. But, um, yeah, I think, I think it's about Percy though, but, um. Is right. What is yes? What is yes. the, the Percy, Percy question? Himself? The Percy question. I usually ask the question, don't I? Yeah. Oh, that's, oh I'm the question. Okay, I'm the question guy. Sorry, sorry, I wasn't paying You're attention. You are the question. Yeah, I am the question. <laughs> okay. Uh, the I? question is: Will Percy Weasley redeem himself in Book Seven? Uh-huh. Or, yeah, you know, you could also ask <laughs> no, Yeah, but why didn't you know? Why didn't he redeem himself in Book Six? <laughs> what, did he, what did he you know? do? Because it's not the last I mean, book. <laughs> oh, I just felt so so bad for him showing up on Christmas there, you know, and everybody's throwing, I didn't feel bad for him. Throwing Wait, turnips are you at kidding? Him. I felt bad for Molly Weasley. I felt bad for Bill Weasley. He I didn't come in good faith. Pick a Weasley. Percy's at the bottom of that list. Yeah. yeah. He wasn't trying for any kind of reconciliation there. I felt no. bad for George Weasley. Thanks, John. I actually, you know, though I do, I do actually like the way that she didn't just, you know, have him, everybody be fine with him again after after yeah. book five. You know, it's like I, I thought that was very, very well done. The fact that he wasn't within that line of you know Dumbledore that it's harder to forgive somebody for being right than for being wrong. And sure. I just thought that was very well done. But will he eventually drag his sorry butt back into the land of the living? I don't know. Melissa said yes, going right in. Is that- mm-hmm. Well, he's alive. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> it's true. I hope he could so. not I've been be reading alive. something else. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I think she's setting. I think she's totally setting us up. Yeah, for that because um, for like a major redemption thing, or just sort of come weaseling back, so to speak. I think a major redemption like thing. A big I think action. she believes in it. But how right? many people can majorly redeem themselves? We're going to have Snape redeem himself. Yeah. We're going to have Pettigrew redeem himself. We're going to have Percy redeem himself too. It's the theme of the whole book. It's redemption. There well, you go. I don't think Harry Potter think... and the redemption of all the minor characters. Yeah, no, we have to talk. <laughs> minor Snape. No, we have to talk in serious tones about what we mean when we say redemption. Yeah, We're not exactly. talking about. Yeah. He becomes a saint and is the savior of the whole series. We're talking about he does something that forgives their misdeeds. And that could yeah. affect the book in a very small yes. way or a very big mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Within yeah, the you're right. like sphere. Yeah. I can't imagine that, that she's going to leave him out in the cold all the way to the end of the book. You know, I think something's going to happen. But it's it's just interesting the way she's drawn the character, whether he's going to, uh, you know break with the ministry then mm. is the ministry well, going to redeem itself almost see, that's, as, as here's what i'm wondering it. yeah what happens to the ministry in book seven i mean is he mm-hmm. going to go down with a sinking ship or you know is like is the ministry even going to survive is voldemort just gonna is it going to be gone like in 50 pages and you know then it's just i don't know i'm just kind of rambling yeah i mean i just don't no, know no, if, I, if, I, if I, I think you're exactly right guru i yeah. I, I think that's that's exactly it you know which might be something that kind of forces him into action you know because right mm-hmm. now he's just kind mm-hmm. of like you know holding on to what he thinks or thought was you know was the right way which is you know the the government way or the rules or whatever it is right. that appealed to him so much whenever i think about whenever i think theory whenever i try and think about what is going to happen i always go back to 
that everything you write in a book, everything you write in a series is done for a reason. Everything that she's setting up mm. is going to come around and it's done for a reason. And I, right now I'm wondering why Percy has done the things he's done. He's set up as somebody in the ministry who is in a position where he's going to have to be forced into a bold choice to mm-hmm. redeem himself. And that bold choice may be the difference. You know, like what, what was his purpose then throughout all of this? If it wasn't to get him into the ministry in this last book, put him in this position where he, he has the ability to do something that somebody else couldn't do. Sure. Mm-hmm. I don't agree with you though, that, that everything has that kind of, uh, that kind of meaning for being in the book. I mean, Mark Evans kind of taught us a lesson there that, that sometimes <laughs> things just show up, yeah. but I don't, no, I don't know that he's going to have a big he's moment. A Weasley, I think that, no, 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 I think no. he will, I think me. he will, I think he will come out of his snit or whatever, but I don't Dude, think it's no, no, no. Be, that simply because he's in the ministry means that he is going to be in a position to make some big choice. I think it's very possible, but I don't think that one necessarily would have to go there. You're, mis- you're completely misunderstanding me with the whole things for a reason. Every, everything does have a reason. Mark Evan did have his reason. He created a very emotional point for Harry to bring up to Dudley. He showed us that Dudley is a real, you know, it's not just fooling around. Dudley's doing some pretty bad things. He was unfortunately named Mark Evans. But that person without a name had a purpose in the book. Nothing in the book is without purpose. No act, no series of actions in a character. So Percy's whole trajectory is has to lead him somewhere. Whether it's the ministry, whether it's anything else, he'll just be flailing out there at the end if, if something doesn't come of it. If he just remains how he what is about the, the, throughout the, uh, the book seven. The death day party. And they had this hunt. Yeah. The right. purpose of the Death Day party was to get them down in the dungeon so that they could hear the voice oh. later. <laughs> the headless hunt is a piece of whimsy. That's a purpose. Everything has a purpose. To talk to Myrtle. I mean, a lot of things actually happened there. As well, weird as know. it was. Yeah. Well, I think Percy has been doing what he's doing on Dumbledore's orders this whole time anyhow. I don't think he really has you anything do. to redeem uh, himself for. I think we'll find out very early on that he has been helping them, helping Dumbledore this whole time. And now that Dumbledore will be gone, he'll come back and be like, okay, um, now what do I do? <laughs> Who am I supposed to report to now? <laughs> he's been like, he, he's... So it's like he's another he's, Snape. He's been okay, the Snape so for the ministry. And it makes sense if Dumbledore has a Snape for the Death Eaters to have a spy in the ministry, which is almost as important of an organization in this war as uh, the bad guys themselves. Sure. And it's interesting because my first reaction is, yeah, but I mean, Percy, he wouldn't have chose Percy, but then wait a minute, this is Dumbledore. Yes, he would. You know, he'd give anybody a shot. Um, I mean, they still have Mundungus in the order, don't (laughs) they? They do. (laughs) They have the dung. But what would Percy, just because he's the right guy to do it and Dumbledore decided he needed someone? Well, I mean... I mean, he's got guys like Shacklebolt and stuff. But yeah, Shacklebolt but, but is very suspicious. Percy's, Percy's Percy a is very unassuming. Yeah. Percy was someone who wanted to. Yeah. I was always, you know, had the drive to get in the ministry and to have the success uh-huh. and to be a little suck up. Sure. And he'd be perfect somebody who mm. could get close <laughs> enough to fudge and close enough to those people that c- could um, get that kind of information. Someone that they would want to brag to or somebody that he's just to be, mm-hmm. you know, that guy. That'll that'll just brown nose all day. Right. And I can easily imagine I can easily imagine Dumbledore taking Percy aside in his you know seventh year and saying you know I see that you're heading for the ministry. I think uh, you know I may have some uh, 
some some things for you to do and Percy would maybe I, I would think Percy would be excited to I think he'd jump all over that I don't know so the thing, the you know, thing I, I don't know as I'm saying it I'm starting that. to the wonder thing, because it just there's there's that aspect of Percy's personality which I just don't know if he has go, has the the thing that doesn't that I can't guts. reconcile about that is the fight that he had with his oh, yeah that's one? some acting with job him, like just the fight a, that a had, huge break. Yeah. And the, the mean and hurtful things he said that he didn't yeah. have yes. to say. Nobody was forcing right. him to say those things. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I, I can't imagine that he would have said those things to his parents. Yeah. And so if, yeah. yeah. Can I, mean, I go back and forth about that, too? I want to believe that he is just an unspeakable. And, and that's why he had to make these hard choices. Mm. And that he's ultimately brave after I mean, all. But some of, you know. And, there's unless brave whatever he's doing to do it effectively, yeah. he has to just have a break from like to break off from everything that is gonna, going to distract him or anything that um, is going to hmm. hold him Maybe. in a direction other than what he's doing. And if his minute, boy, John, I don't want to have to start liking. Percy. No, but I mean, look at look at who his family is. His <laughs> Can family anybody... are people who are aligned with with Dumbledore, who don't like what the ministry is doing, uh-huh. and who are trying to get everybody to come to that side. And if Percy, through his job with Dumbledore, has to stay in the ministry. You know, his family at that point is in in the way of that. And if the if the, the if the, the, the greater good, yep. it's really it's really hard to imagine. On one hand, it's hard to imagine Percy growing up in the Weasley household and not being on Dumbledore's side. On the other hand, I I I, I Melissa, I think you're you're right. I can't imagine him hurting his mother like that. I mean, maybe even he's, for Dumbledore's sake. I'm not saying I buy this idea, but you know, maybe part of this anger and you know, kind of the outburst against his family. Maybe if he really was doing this you know, courageous and necessary thing. And they were giving him, you know, grief don't about it. Don't call me a coward. Yeah, very, yeah. very Snape-like so he's again. So he's a Snape again. Yeah, but I, I don't know. It's hard for me to buy. Well, here's the other thing. What about that letter that he wrote to Ron? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? I love that letter. Yeah. <laughs> I do, too. Oh, it's not funny. <laughs> oh, my so God. Let me it's take hilarious. you under my wing, Ron. It's, no, it's so tell sad. You what, what it is the, the world is really letter. like. <gasps> Let's think about that Percy letter, though, because dork. Percy, if we're going to figure that he's a somewhat smart kid, at least he's, he's he, he kind of knows a little bit about mm-hmm. about people and about his brother. Would he really think that Ron was going to listen to that letter? Or would he think that Ron is going to do the exact, yeah, exact opposite yeah. of whatever I tell him to do because Ron has yes, no opinion Percy's, of me? Percy. No, Percy has, has always been under vision. the impression that he could tell his family what to do. There's exactly. never been anything That's unclear right. about that. That's right. Yeah. That's right. He yes, he would expect Ron right. to. Yes. To, to subdistance himself from Dumbledore and, and Harry on <laughs> Percy's <laughs> telling him. No. I can't believe but how think, you're laughing. I think it's something you, that I find so sad. <laughs> oh. You're mean. We're not laughing, people. actually. I just Wait, had a what, bit what's of a sad about the letter? I don't understand. <clears throat> I thought that letter was just kind of. It's better pathetic. now. It's sad because of his. It's. It's just. It just strikes me as very sad, mm-hmm. as as him trying so badly to be of use to his family, trying so yeah. badly to be the right, the guy in the right, trying so badly trying to be so important. Badly like he, is, he tells Ron to like warn his, you know, to tell his mom about. Was it Sturgis Podmore or somebody like that? Like, you know, maybe this will like help her see what kind of riffraff Dumbledore hangs around. With. <laughs> it's like he just, just believes so that like he's this martyr, and you know that you know he's just putting up 
with <laughs> with them <laughs> not understanding how how right he is. Is it possible? Yeah. Is it possible that Fudge asked so Percy arrogant. to send that letter? But what? Why? Because why? Fudge is tired of the Weasleys getting in, and the and the order and all that nonsense getting in the oh. way. But you know, I I just I it's it is very interesting, and in, because in some ways the Weasley family uh, is is sort of you know, like always good. The poor, you know, don't have enough to eat and don't have enough money to buy their little school books and all this stuff. And then right smack dab in the middle of this wonderful, warm, fuzzy little, you know, tiny Tim kind of thing, there's Percy. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, walk. It's just, it's it's a marvelous character. I just really think is. the Weasleys. And, just, and, you know, you know my favorite Percy movie movement? I know, random, whatever. Is when when you see him in the morning with bedhead. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. he's got really the best is. bedhead. Oh, look, it's Errol with It took like three hours to do that or something. Yeah. But anyway, I'm sorry. These Weasleys are very yeah. underrated. And like, they're, you know, they're poor and this and that. But it's like, look at every single mm-hmm. one of these kids that they've accomplished after Hogwarts, I mean, I think we're dealing with yeah. uh, you know a very powerful family that are only poor because they mm-hmm. they chose he Arthur chose a position that would help protect Muggles pretty much because he like why do you think they're why do you think they're underrated they're underrated I think by there's the just people. a lot that we're going to see in book yeah. seven of them doing yeah. mm-hmm. of them really being something well important. they're obviously well respected by by a large portion of the wizarding community i mean look at, i mean the guy runs back in, in book four he, he runs this pathetic little office which is smaller than the broom closet yeah. across the way you know but still everybody nods to him says hi to him and at the campground there you know and and Everybody knows Arthur Weasley, and and that's you know you can tell that they're a respected family, yeah. even if they don't have you know Lucius dignity. Malfoy's approval. Always dignity. Yeah. yeah, and then there's Percy. <laughs> well, but you know, here's the le- I mean, the thing going back to that letter, the the thing about the letter that makes me think that Percy is going to redeem himself, which is what we're trying to figure out, is that this letter is. Urging and urging and urging Ron to protect himself, urging and urging him to not lose his badge, not lose his uh, status, not not, you know, out of it seems to be out of a place of of truth, out of a place of wanting to help his family. And now he's gone through a year of this horrible awkwardness of that. He has nowhere to go because he's out. He's been out from his family and now he's they've been proven right and you have to imagine that in in the extreme situation and a last chance to do what he's been wanting to do for his family all this time what he thought was the right way he thought he was being the one to tell them the right way to go and they just weren't listening and now he'll finally have the chance to do it and in that way redeeming himself like i feel like he'll be presented mm-hmm. with a, with a cho- with for him a big choice maybe not for the books but for him a big choice mm-hmm. and will Mm-hmm. finally do i feel like mm-hmm. it's something he's been wanting to do in him somewhere you know yeah i mean there's there can't be he can't really believe still that you know that he was right but you know it's just whatever it is like his pride or you know he feels right. like he's too far in or i don't know what well, but, but but yeah it's kind of hard to define that what is he what is his, what are his feelings if he knows he was wrong or maybe he and, doesn't and, I mean, that, he but, might, well yeah that's what i mean is it yeah, like is he really Completely now realizing that he's wrong, but he's just too arrogant or too too pig headed to admit it, or 
has he convinced himself that he was right? And now that Scrimgeour is is the minister of magic, he will continue to, you know, that his family has misunderstood him the whole time, that they <laughs> that they misunderstood the fact that he was just trying to help and he was doing what he was supposed to be doing. And where is his or is wrong or his, right or relevant? Right he's still in funny. there spying for the order. I, f- I think he yeah. feels like he's forever he, – he cannot go back. He is forever gone from his family. He might as well act as though he doesn't have a family and get on with his life at the ministry. Like that shame must be so – I think he feels that you way. Know, hmm. It's hard yeah. to admit yeah, it is. to yourself even. But do you – I mean when he walks in at Christmas and his mother's reaction – I mean – the kids, you know, Fred and George, well, you would expect them to throw stuff at you, you know, and maybe Ginny. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, his mother's reaction at seeing him and all that kind of stuff, surely he, he realizes that they, you know, that they that they care about him and want him back. Well, maybe. But I don't know, know. It's a complicated position to be in. Yeah. He Go still ahead, thought he was serving some other purpose. And, you know, now, like, if he comes around, is he going to think, well, you know, that was my shot. And I blew it because I was still trying to be manipulative. And mm-hmm. I don't know. It, I feel like he's fighting that inside all the time that he could have done yeah, it, but yeah. didn't that day. Just couldn't deal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then it's going to erupt. Well, one I day. doubt if any, if any of us think this, I know I don't, but I've heard people that think that he's been, you know, on the side of evil basically since <laughs> book one, especially in the reading groups. Some people point out things like, in, I don't even know if I can remember any Prefects specific things, power, but like even, book. yeah, like yeah, stuff from Chamber of Secrets. Yeah, he's written a book called Prefects Who Gain Power, in which must be Voldemort. I mean. Yeah. Which, I'm sorry, there's another <laughs> oh, that, wonderful yeah. Joe moment. Like there would be a little pamphlet called Prefects Who Gain Power. I yeah. love it. I wish written come up by with this the stuff. one Prefect Who Gain Power. <laughs> yeah, the one Prefect, skinny little thing. <laughs> oh. But okay, so there's just another another little random thing. Do you, we hear nothing more about Penelope. Yeah, is, do, you, do you think they got together? I mean, maybe it's completely pointless. I just was wondering, kind of, she just vanished at the end of book two. She's, you know, he was pretty hot. She had that, her purpose. You know, after that romance. She had her purpose. Well, she was a death and that was a marvelous scene yeah. too. At the end, he of mentions her in book three because <laughs> when, uh, she's got a yeah, bet with that her. That was in a book marvelous three. red herring. Um, so he mentions her. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yes, but, um, right. You are. Yeah. But then mm-hmm. she's just gone. So I wonder if, you know, I mean, is he, is he still seeing her? I guess it probably doesn't matter, but yeah, I can't help but be curious. Well, do we have final thoughts on Percy here? Yeah, final thoughts on Percy. John, why don't you start? My final thoughts on Percy, for everybody who does not remember, is that Percy is assisting the Order by working for the ministry <laughs> and finding out all he can Um about uh, what their inner workings and plans are and all that stuff. And come book seven, we're going to find out very early on from him that suddenly he is left without someone to report to. And um, he will be back and explain the whole thing and have a big old group hug and a manly handshake from Arthur and everything will be cool in the gang. <laughs> See, and I don't, I, I, I don't agree with you on the working for the ministry thing. Um, I think, I think, Clearly, Percy is going to have some sort of redemption in book seven. I think that you're right. He's, he's not going to be left just sort of hanging at the end there. Um, but uh, to what extent? No, but to I th- clarify, I never said it had to be for the ministry. Okay. That that's a really good option. But whether it's for the ministry, whether it's for the book, and I did say this before, it's, you know, 
there's some there's something it doesn't have to be ministry right but i think you know and, and and i think he'll have his moment whatever it is and he will uh, I, I don't think it's going to be like saving Harry's life or anything of that nature, but I think it's probably just going to be a moment where there's this awkward uh-huh. pause and then everybody's going to start crying and he's going to say, I'm really uh, sorry. And then that will be kind of a nice little moment. And <laughs> Ron's going to say, yeah, but you did send that stupid will he have letter. His and manly and <laughs> Except I'll Melissa, who will sad. still be crying over the letter. But, <laughs> but oh, That's where I'm at on, on Percy. And I just love, I have to say again, I love the character. I, I love to hate him, but I also love the way that Joe wrote him, especially in book six, without without mm-hmm. giving in so and having him just come crashing back, but, but actually suffering for a while first. I think it's marvelous. So, Well, <laughs> I think I more or less agree with you, Steve. I, I don't know that I have much to add. I mean, I... I don't know. I think he will probably, you know, maybe, maybe it'll be something where Harry and he have to kind of, you know, maybe Harry needs something that Percy can help him with. And he's got to, you know, kind of Mm -hmm. talk to him and sit down and just say, you know, dude, you, you're wrong about everything. And just listen to me for a second. They might, you know, yell about it, fight about it, whatever. Hopefully, you know, I do think that, that Percy to whatever extent he can will, um, you know, he's going to realize if he doesn't already that he would probably pick the wrong position and he's going to, you know, try to make amends. And I'm sure that his family will eventually welcome him back. So in that sense, I think you know, something, something that just occurred to me while you were saying that mm. I, you know, I, I sometimes when I think about book seven, I think it, there, there could be a certain sort of episodic quality to it as he goes after one Horcrux and right. another Horcrux and like another Horcrux. Like here Victor Crumb helps, and I, and, here Percy helps. Kind right, of and then I just wonder if if, if Percy is going to have some, like, like you're saying, John, some inside information into the ministry, which will suddenly come in handy, you know, uh, and, and that'll be his moment. That's just an interesting You know, I just had an idea, idea, actually, griffing off that, um, that there will be a, a moment, because we already know that Harry and Rufus Scrimger are, are at odds, and there will be a moment where information that could be dangerous to Harry isn't or or could be helpful to Harry isn't shared with him because Rufus Scrimgeour doesn't want to help the boy who lived. He wants to have the glory of uh, catching Voldemort or mm-hmm. of helping or whatever. And in in the interest of helping Ron and and Harry, of course, and his family, Percy will mm-hmm. get that information to them. Yeah. You know? Oh, I like that. That could be interesting. Could See indeed. kind of a humble Percy coming. Mm-hmm. Fred and George throwing things at him. I don't know if he'll ever be humble. humble. Might be much <laughs> well, yeah, but you know, just kind of like for for like he's, a moment, he's slightly time, less arrogant and and you know, annoying setting aside his indignation, like for the greater good. Yeah. Say, you know, all sure. right, fine. If you want to be mad at me, be mad at me. Mm-hmm. But just like listen to me for a second, because. But see, that would be a great. Uh, that'd be a great way to do it. Is to have yeah. that where where he has to face the fact that the ministry is actually working against what he knows now is correct, and he'll have to finally say. No, I'm going to help Harry. Like snap out of it, you know. So, so. And again, we kind of loop back to what's going to happen to the ministry in book seven. I don't know who said that tonight, but yeah. man, that's an that's a interesting question. Because We're gonna go you got to have the ministry. The ministry is what keeps the separation of the of the magical world and the. That's why they have all the rules for Quidditch. That's why they have all the rules for magical well, creatures. Gonna, it's all gonna, about secrecy. We have to go there. And so there's got to be a ministry. There's no way we're getting out of book seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To the to the ministry of magic itself. Yeah, why don't we talk about that next week? You know, sure. we should. Why don't we talk about that Excellent. next week? So I think we know a little bit about uh, the ministry uh, during the First War and during uh, Dumbledore Grindelwald times, don't we? Why don't, 
Don't they talk a little bit about it? I think so. We'll have to do a little research on that. Because that'd be it'd be great to talk about the ministry. Why don't we talk about in what way we'll so see the ministry in, in, in yeah, books? How about the, about the here. Department of Mysteries in Book Seven? How we'll see the Department of Oh yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes. That locked room. Oh yes. We did talk about this once. John mm-hmm. said it had a disco ball and a okay. heart shaped mm-hmm. pillow. We mm-hmm. got to wrap it up and run mm-hmm. out of battery. That's right. That's right. I'd like to talk about what, what we're going to see of the ministry uh, in the next movie, but... Okay, moving on. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Yeah. Well, bye, guys. We'll uh, see you for the next Canon yeah. Conundrums. All right. Yep, looking forward to it. Leaders. Time to put on our extendable ears. Listen in on Potter Talk from the people making the magic. Saying I really like McGonagall. <laughs> I think Matt actually has a thing for McGonagall. I don't. I don't have a thing for McGonagall. McGonagall's just. She, my mum's a teacher, you see, and my mum has the sort of prim, proper, sort of Victorian style values. And uh, you know, I do look at McGonagall and very much. She's feel very like, cool, though. McGonagall. She's, great. she's just brilliant. Yeah, she's everybody loves firm McGonagall. but fair. And uh, the way she deals with Umbridge in the books. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my, favorite, that. <laughs> my, my favorite uh, McGonagall line is when she tells Peeves to the, the chandelier twist the other way. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah it's yeah, just yeah, genius. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Um, playing the game, uh, the gamer will be able to play as Harry for the majority of it, won't they? Uh, then there will be an opportunity later to play as Sirius and also as Dumbledore. The game fan will also... And- and Fred and George. And Fred and George, and that's what I was going <laughs> yes, to. Fred and George. <laughs> Come on, Matt, you can answer this one then. Um, the scene where they, the iconic scene in the book where they leave Hogwarts. Mm. Are, are, are we going to get them flying out of Hogwarts? And, and, and also, because there's two of them, I mean, how will the game player be able to control that? Do you choose which one you want to play? Or as, as you know, Donna, I love Fred and George, and. They rock. They rock. They are absolutely awesome. So you definitely have the opportunity to play as Fred and George um, at uh, uh, hopefully a couple of points in the game. Uh, and while oh, a couple you... of points in the game, not just the the fireworks. Well, why would you wait until that moment to play them? That sounds very cool. And... That seems just remarkably unfair. <laughs> okay, now you're giving me that. You've got to expand on that. Come on, what else? What else can we do as Fred and George? You well, can, uh, can I tell them that? You can tell what you can do with Fred and George. Apart from that one scene, which, you know... Yeah, one of the things that we're looking at with Fred and George uh, is obviously their pranks uh, are just fantastic. And in this book, particularly, we get to see them really sort of showing that they're, while not necessarily um, academically astute, um, are incredibly clever wizards. Um, and one of the first scenes... Uh, where they're sort of luring Harry and Hermione and into this sort of subversive nature of their of their their style, um, they lay the uh, extendable ears 
to overhear the order oh, meeting. Oh, right, this is in um, the uh, in Grimmel Place. place. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we thought that was a fantastic opportunity to give you a chance to play as Fred and George and have a little play with older wizard's magic early in the game. Oh, excellent. So uh, It's well, just a great introduction to playing other characters as well, particularly as they do have such a... A big moment later on. Uh, honestly, I, I, I was, I was, I was slightly uh, upset when they left, but uh, because, of course, you know, Fred and George don't run the school anymore. Yeah, I'm not going to see them next <laughs> book. But luckily, they obviously opened their joke shop, and everything was wonderful, <laughs> and I got to see them again. Um, but you know, also, of course, while the upset was there, I was still thinking, yeah. Stick it to the man. <laughs> go, Fred. Go, George. Actually, with regards to that scene, um, I just wanted to ask about Peeves. Is Peeves going to be in the Order of the Phoenix game? What I would say is that we're, we've looked at the order of priority for our characters. We have, um, you know, we've been talking about it all along. We want to re- replicate all the characters you can see, but that's an enormously long list when you start adding it up. So, you know, when you look at it, there's like 28 members of the DA. I think I'm right in saying that. And then there's the teachers, and then you've got pupils, prefects, you know, people just wandering the corridors. We've got some ghosts. We've got four or five ghosts? Five ghosts. Five ghosts, that's right. Ghosts. Yeah, no, there's people unique to it, like the Order, yeah, Sirius Black, Dumbledore, we've got 120 characters all of a sudden. And that's before you get to We've got... Yeah. Moving portraits. Moving portraits. How could we not mention portraits? This is about bringing Hogwarts to life. It's about moving talking portraits. It's about the ghosts. So we're trying to get as many of the characters you know and love in there. I'm not saying we're going to get to them all. We have a long list. But definitely we're getting in as uh, many of the characters as possible. We definitely have some ghosts in there. I mean, I think for sure we have Nearly Headless Nick. Nearly Headless Nick is definitely in there. We have Moaning Myrtle. Are these going to be based on the actors, Shirley Henderson, um we're obviously picking the thing, the ones people have seen that they will recognise because yeah. we know we have that that reference. We can make something that people recognise. So that's how we're kind of almost prioritising a list. The key characters that people always ask for. Yeah. Obviously, everybody unique to this movie and then everybody else you think you'd like to see in the movie that we have reference for and so on. Mm. So you can imagine, like I say, with a list about 120 characters long, the priority goes that way. Especially one. with so many new characters constantly being introduced. Well, absolutely. You've got oh, the Order and the DA. Yeah. yeah. Although I'd say the DA is huge, isn't it? And, and we've and, seen and a lot of those characters before. Be huge, isn't it? Yeah. It is, absolutely. I, I think I mean, another point with Peeves, though, I mean, obviously he's a, he's a very popular character and he is very, mm. um, you know, a, a, personally as a fan, you know, we had to make sure he had uh, a few mentions at the very least in the game. So, if so he's mentioned, but, he's, he's mentioned but not and, seen. Uh, you know, his influence is uh, noted by mm. some of the people in there. So I think I think what makes Peeve so iconic in the Order of the Phoenix book is be, when Fred and George leave, it's that give a hell from us, Peeves, and the salute. And it's the <laughs> one image that sticks in your mind. And it's nothing to do with Harry, the Order, but it's just, it's so well written yeah. and you can just imagine it. And I think to Matt's point, though, actually, it's something worth picking up on is um, in the past, we've kind of told the story in cutscenes, if you see what I'm saying, mm. throughout. And what we're trying to do this year is make that come through in the dialogue because we're trying to create a living Hogwarts. We yeah. want, want you to hear dialogue as you're playing the game. So where we can't necessarily put something in the game, we can allude to it through sort of dialogue, you know, or somebody tells a bit of news or somebody talks about something they've seen or heard and you kind of pick up the story through the interactions with other people in Hogwarts and we think that's quite powerful in the respect you really feel like you're in Hogwarts mm-hmm. rather than, hey, let's wait for the story bit. 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Back to that kind of seamless idea. We want you to get immersed in the Hogwarts world and only come out when you kind of finish the endless day and the narrative and everything uh, else. Absolutely. I mean, one of the things that we've really focused on this year and one of the things that I've been hammering into the design team as we've been going through the, the process of designing this game has been very much yeah, where the previous games have perhaps been games with Harry Potter put on top. This is Harry Potter and the design has come from the fiction. Yeah. So it really is about trying to get the the game design is supporting the fiction rather than necessarily fitting the fiction to a game design. Which is why there's no Hermione or playing as Ron because it's Harry's story. This is where he becomes a leader effectively, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. He takes charge of the DA, you know, he he fights the Death Eaters. It's his story, so... He's definitely taking up the baton in this movie, particularly going forward into the next book. You know, this is where he steps into adulthood and starts leading people. And that's really important to us to focus on that. That's In the same way, right. his mentor, yeah, we want you to feel a bit of loss when Sirius obviously goes the way of Sirius. Can't talk <laughs> Tearful, about that, please. Uh... <laughs> Let's move quickly on, please. Um, okay, I'm going to ask a couple of personal questions now. Okay. Um, what is your favourite scene in the book and which scene are you really looking, not as a person who works at EA and is producing the game and making it, but as a fan, what do you want? What are you really looking forward to seeing? In the game, going to be Fred and George, isn't it's it? It's going to be Fred and George. They're <laughs> rock. No, I mean, I'm Fred and George. You know, they're, they're awesome. I just think those characters are, are fantastic. You know, they're, they're, they're the kind of friends I would have loved to have if I was uh, if I was at school. Uh, I did go to school, by the way. <laughs> um, but I didn't have friends like Fred and George. I had nice friends who were all very. Hermione, <laughs> um, but you know, uh, I think Fred and George's scene is is the thing that I hope they realise perfectly in the movie. Uh, but there are lots of other scenes. I, w- I would love to see um, the the scene with uh, Umbridge and, and McGonagall, McGonagall facing yeah. off. M- McGonagall's so right. She's such a strong character, and I think the way she deals with Umbridge is fantastic. And we all the way through, we've been trying to write things like that into the script so that you kind of see it in the background mm. as an incident, even if it's not a major focus. You, you, as you're walking through Hogwarts, that's something you'll come across. So, I mean, I think we're definitely trying to get as many of those things in as possible because they're great. I mean, you know, if if, if you walk past that happening with, uh, you know, uh, Umbridge having an argument with um, McGonagall, you'd think that was great, wouldn't I don't you? I know, teachers fighting, that's just... It's awesome. Rocks, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, in terms of the, you know, the most iconic moment, it has to be Fred and George's escape and the, the, the chaos that ensues. It does. Although, I, I tell you, the, the, the one of the things that shocked me about Order of the Phoenix was in the first few chapters where the Dementors came and touched Muggles. You know, yes. seeing the Dementors come to, to see Dudley, I thought that was really frightening, you actually. Know, even with I the title, Dudley Demented, didn't get it. And it was only when I read it, I thought, oh, of course, we're demented. It's in the in the chapter title. I didn't get it. And she was dropping this huge cute clue before you'd even read the chapter. And, but you didn't think that yeah, the that, two worlds would collide. And That is a scene I yeah. want to see done well because, it, it, you know, it is that first point where the muggle world and the magical world Definitely. are not sort of in a measured way like here's a letter or... or you know, somebody turning up and shaking hands. World, Something Definitely. nasty came from the wizard world and touched the muggle world. And that, you know, it's again in the Half-Blood Prince that's started to allude to with the, the, the Prime Minister scene. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how that goes. 
uh, an opportunity, of course. But that's obviously I'm going off point now. But, <laughs> you know, I do think that scene with the Dementors. I don't think I'd that's like a great thing that about done. this book is you do definitely step into a, a wider world. It's more about what he's doing and how he's interacting with people and this wider kind of background story. You know, these, these Death Eaters, Voldemort, etc., etc. You know, that it's really starting to expand massively out. And I think that's the really exciting thing about Order of the Phoenix for us. Mm. Although, again, I'm re- another, I've got so many favourite scenes, but I really like the bit where um, Cho and Harry are sort of interacting and you can sort of see. Harry's sort of uh, ineptitude, teenage ineptitude. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm sure lots of people can easily relate to that. Do we um, get the kiss in the game? Well, it's Harry can, Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. <laughs> but, you know. Can you make the game without it? <laughs> exactly. I mean, we, we, you know, the show scene. So how do you get around recording that? Because presumably Katie and Dan are going to be coming in and recording. I don't want to say too much about the voices. We're still sort of trying to uh, get a, a full list of actors and I something I can't talk about, something I'd love to talk about a little bit down the line, who we've got on board, because we really, um, we've always talked about getting actors on board, and this year I think we're really doing it, Yeah. but I, I don't want to tell you who we've got and we haven't yet. We'll save that for a Absolutely. few months' time then. Yeah, no, we, 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 <laughs> suffice to say we've definitely got a lot of actors on board. Excellent. As to who they are, I'll let you know later. <laughs> Will the um, hearing at the Ministry of Magic be in the game? It was one of those things, again, looking at the priority list, we have got a design on paper for it. Um, so if we get to go back uh, with spare time and spare capacity, then, then we may well look at it because well, obviously we'll have built the ministry. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that we did kind of find a, a challenge as a game uh, was you know, what would you actually do in there? Because Harry's not allowed to use his wand. You know, <laughs> it's predominantly about Dumbledore as well and, and it, Fudge, really. It is. And so we, we, we've we got something on paper, but again, it's as a gamer... It's it, there's very little to actually do in there as as a fan. Oh yes, of course. Yeah, I mean if that's what you've always got to have in the back of your mind. It's and I think what it's, is there to play? You can't it, go and stun the members yeah. of the <laughs> well, Wizards. I, I think that's the main thing as well. You know, we, when we look at it, that you know the books are going to be the best place to go and you know yeah. read the story and kind of get the full details. You know, and the films are going to give you that you know the visualization and the sound and the look of all that. And what we're trying to do is provide you something interactive that you can get involved in. And, you know, if we just walked from one story point to the other to include all story points, it probably wouldn't be any fun yeah. as a game. So, you know, that is in our thinking when we're trying to tell the story. But, you know, we're not the place to come for the story. We we have to reflect it, but we are the place to come and have the immersive Harry Potter experience, yeah. and that's what we need to do, right? Um, so that's the reason kind of we, we didn't focus on something like the Ministry. I mean, it's a great first... First time to go and visit it, you know, don't get us wrong. It's something we really wanted to do, but we're going to concentrate our effort in the Ministry of Magic at the end. But like you say, there's not actually anything a, a game player can actually do in that, is and there? And it's also, so. if, you've, if, you know, if you've given a game player a spell, a little whinging, obviously they're going to cast Expecto Patronum. Yeah. It should be no surprise to anybody. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you can't say that. <laughs> when you get to the Ministry of Magic, how are you going to stop a player? wanting to cast Expecto Patronum. They've learned it, and I mean, of course, we can't do that. It doesn't fit the fiction to be able to... You know, Harry would never do that. Yeah. And you can't just turn it off because yeah. people would get frustrated. So there's a lot of reasons why things um, kind of get removed from the game, and, and, and I know fans can get really disappointed. They're saying, well, where was that in but the story? But they're left out for an obvious reason. Yeah, and I'd really like to get that across. Is It's kind of the... You know, when we take stuff out, it's not because... Oftentimes, it's just for time, as Matt has said yeah. in this case, but it's also because... What would you actually do when you think about it? Yeah. You know, we want to give you an entertaining 12, 15, you know, whatever 
our experience with this game and we want it to be interactive throughout as well as give you the fiction you recognise, the story you yeah. recognise. Do you know what I mean? I mean, you, you've got to think about it from our perspective. I mean, we're looking at all of the fan requests and, and Hogwarts stuff particularly is, is coming out. And if you, th- if you looked at it as, okay, you can delete three rooms from Hogwarts to get the to stand in the trial room, yeah, um, which is the kind of decision we have to make. Um, you know, we initially, with the, the, the budgets that we have at the moment, we have to look at it and say, you know what? Three rooms in Hogwarts. Yeah. That's it's an interactive, fun experience. And make it a complete Hogwarts. Absolutely. You know, you, the minute you start taking things out, it stops being a complete Hogwarts. Well, Hogwarts is a character, yeah. you know, it, yeah. in its own right. You wouldn't want an amputee Hogwarts, would you? <laughs> 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 yeah, I, I mean, I, I do think, you know, Hogwarts as a, as a character is something that we're trying really, really hard. I mean, we have gone in, we have got the portraits in there, so they're, they are moving around. We have... Uh, you know, portraits that actually move between their portraits. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, one of them, the, the, the missions which I really love, is where you actually have to go and uh, get one of the, the portraits who is reasonably well known within the book uh, <laughs> to actually follow you around uh, to go and complete a quest. And he walks through all the portraits. He might be a he, might be a she. Don't want to say. Might be in it. Might be in it. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I'm bailing you out here, Matt. <laughs> Which uh, I shouldn't be doing that, should yeah, I? I should be getting the, where, where's getting the, the details. Where's the grill gone? Believe me, I've got the hard stare. Um, a couple of technical questions now. Um, quite a bit of criticism about the Goblet of Fire game uh, with regard to lighting, positioning of cameras. Um, can they be improved for the Order of the Phoenix game? Yeah, sure. I mean, what we did on Goblet of Fire um, that affected our decisions on camera were that there was this kind of drop-in, drop-out, three-player element. And so that really affects what cameras you can actually do. So if you imagine the first two or three games were all that kind of third-person adventuring-style camera, which allows you to see a really personal view of Hogwarts, um, what we found with... uh, the cameras for Goblet of Fire, we had to zoom in and out to get three players on screen at any one time. And it really kind of compromised the cameras we'd love to have made to make it more cinematic. So I think being that we're not doing the three-player kind of drop-in, drop-out game, yeah. we're trying to get the game as close to the film as you know, as we can without compromising gameplay. So there's this kind of... We've got to get the shots that you recognise from the film, you know, looking down the grand staircase, some of the pans when you go through the doors into the, the Great Hall... We're doing those kind of things to make it feel more cinematic like the Hogwarts you've seen, but we're also putting the, the camera back uh, behind the player um, for some parts of it, more cinematic in other locations, but we don't want to sacrifice gameplay for cinematics. So yeah. it, it's kind of a... It's getting the balance. It's a, it's a, a juggling act. And I think with, with the lighting, one of the things, again, we're doing this year, because we're, we're going on set, we're taking photos on set, we're getting lighting reference, and we're even going to look at the, how the film grades... Um, uh, you know what I mean by grading it's kind of you know when they tint it like with um, Prisoner of Azkaban they, they kind of suck the oh, right, yeah, that yeah. kind of stuff we're trying to again um, get involved with it the film find out what they're doing and get all that stuff into the game so we're trying to make it you know like the cinematic experience that you you will have when you go and see the film of Order of the Phoenix so I mean I think that's what we're trying to do with the lighting and the cameras trying to make it as immersive and as much like the film as possible so it is a, a different direction this year and it won't be like Goblet of Fire okay. I, I promise you yeah that's one thing that does come across don't make it like Goblet of Fire and I think so and it, you know it's weird each year you get feedback and, and you know the, it, from Prisoner of Azkaban it was like we want to play three 
three-player, yeah. and then we do three-player, and you know it has a knock-on, and then people say, "Oh, don't do that again." So we're kind of we've we've really kind of soul-searched at the start of this project. What do people really want? And really kind of questioned that. Uh, the feedback we've got and sometimes it's contradictory and you've got to kind of work your way through it and again it's, it's part of the reason to talk to you guys it's you know what do you really mean yeah. what do you really mean by magic what do you really mean by I want to walk around Hogwarts you know what do you really mean by mm, playing different characters yeah etc etc so anyway right. not Goblet fun. <laughs> can the player save when they want because I'm, and I'm speaking this now personally as somebody who isn't the best game player in the world and who can be beaten by my seven year old when I play, because I, I tend to play it on the PC, there are some times I want a save book, give me a save book, please. I mean, I have to say, kind of, with the amount of discovery you're doing, and it's something we need to track, um, although the details of the save system aren't, aren't finalised, it's something, you know, we don't want you to lose any progress. And I, me, I'm the best gameplay in the world either. <laughs> you know, I, I do get terribly frustrated when you have to do 10, 15 minutes of gameplay before you can save, and it's not something we want to do if we can avoid it. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely going to be... We haven't, as, as Justin says, we haven't decided on the final implementation because we're trying to do so many things at the same time, but we're definitely focused on making sure that it's very, very regular save points. Um, Hopefully, it will get to the point where you can just choose to save. Yeah. But as I say, we have got some technical implications of that kind of approach. So, with the, with the point of the game being discovery, you could, for example, if you didn't go and do any missions, you could go from room to room, go for every room in Hogwarts, and just keep discovering things over and over again. And you know, if we had a save system that was based around missions, you'd never have that stored. So we don't want that to happen. We want you to save that discovery as you go. But we can't save every three seconds either. So it's kind of, that's why it takes a long time for us to work this one out because it's an open Hogwarts. There's a lot more challenges for us to solve with this one. And another question that's been asked is, are there going to be cheats? Well, what we're hoping to do with the game is actually build it in so that as a player of of all different types of experience, there's a a path for you to take at any one point. So if I'm a really uh, uh, hardcore, you know, mega player um, that I can go in there and I'll be challenged by a lot of the combat and the puzzles and uh, finding all the different combinations of every specific discoverable will be quite uh, quite a, a difficult task. Mm. Um, but also, if I'm not that kind of player, if I want to go in there and just literally immerse myself in Hogwarts, that I still have a great experience and I still get immersed in it. So um, hopefully the the necessity for cheats... Um, won't be there, but we'll probably put a few little Easter eggs in there. Generally, our, our audience has been 8 to 14-year-old kids, and what we found is that there's, there's a 14-year-old boy at this end that says the game's too easy, and then there's an 8-year-old you know, at the other end the who's forums, kind yeah, of, it's yeah. too difficult. And I think that's because it's been much more of a linear game. And so there's kind of two things we're trying to do this year to sort of alleviate that. One is we're kind of looking at a difficulty setting. So we've been talking about doing a kind of an easy, normal, whatever you want to call it, muggle versus, you know, wizard <laughs> setting. Um, and, and hopefully then people can get to choose what they do. And the other is that the fact that we've made it non-linear so that if, you know, even if you're getting stuck or even if you're not working out how to solve it, you can go off and do another uh, mission for another DA member or you can go off and just play around in the world and discover and, and still enjoy Hogwarts and still enjoy the Hogwarts experience. So we're trying to solve it from several different angles yeah that's the thing with a game that you just cannot please everybody yeah. can you I, I think particularly with ours because i mean the difference between an eight and a 14 year old player is quite quite yeah. large and then there's the 
There's obviously people who are playing it at 30, 35 years of age. I was going to say 35 years of age. So we have a, you know, unlike a lot of other games, we have a, such a broad range of fans that are into Harry Potter that are going to be playing the game. And it's really, it's a hard balance. So that's why we're bringing difficulty in. And that's why we've made this open Hogwarts that you can choose what you do when you do it. Okay, last couple of questions oh, then. Oh, sorry, Matt, go on, carry on. I mean, as far as cheats for the fans go, um, actually, their knowledge of the fiction will allow them to complete quests far more easily than the casual player. You know, somebody who's just popped out and watched the movie and plays the game um, are going to look at some of the quests and think, what, what, what? Okay, uh, maybe. I was going to ask you about that, actually. When you're making something like a Harry Potter computer game, do you make it with a particular uh, person in mind? Do you make it for the Harry Potter fan or do you make it for the gaming fan or do you look for a mixture of the two? So I think actually, uh, again, I said it earlier on, Matt and I came on board last year and that there was a lot of kind of conventional wisdom about what, what it was we were making and we inherited that. And, you know, really at the end of that, we kind of really delved into what that meant. And I think this year that we're covering several different people so this is the way i look at the game right we want to please the fans first that's what this game's all about we want to get the authenticity in there those fictional references so you do solve things because you know the fiction it's one of the things we've never done before so i think that's that's absolutely primary secondary we want gamers in inverted commas to enjoy the game so we want to make a great game and then the third thing is our traditional 8 to 14 year old audience we need to make it fit them so they enjoy it mm. that's the great thing about an open experience particularly with the endless day in mind if, if if you discovered everything on the first playthrough you know the game doesn't live on very long you know and one of the things we want is the game to be a longer experience so when you go back to the endless day there's still stuff to find you know we expect people to be saying well, how do you solve that nearly headless nick kind of you know challenge or that portrait challenge or you know whatever and, and people to talk about it and find out you know what is the answer absolutely i mean we you know Certainly, as fans, while we've been designing the game, we've been looking at it and scouring the fiction for these, uh, you know, few lines that we can base mission on. Um, and you know, I think it's really for me when I am explaining it. I love the fact that people have that moment of realization that actually what is in the game really is from the book. Yeah. You know, and I'd love to be able to sit there and have it so you zoom in on, um, say, the, the 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 snitch in the common room and. Actually, that is down to the reference. Yes, you showed me story. that when I came back here. And let's face in, it, you want a gloating August. moment when somebody says, that's not the fiction, that's not the fiction you get. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> Here's know, the page. I, <laughs> yeah, I think it'd be great as well if, uh, you know, as a fan, picking up the game and I'm playing it and, and I, I, I find something and I think, why is that there? And then later on, when I get this opportunity to go and read the fictional references, you know, I can almost pit myself against the the, the, the reference yeah. to see. Yes, I know where that is in the <laughs> fiction. I, that's because nearly headless Nick. Don't, 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 yeah. don't, don't tell yeah. him anything. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, should we go back to the questions? You're going to have occlumency in this game, aren't you? How is that going to work? Occlumency is an incredibly fascinating subject. Um, we're definitely having occlumency in the game. I mean, it's, it's a really at key... Several s- at several points. At several points. points. Ooh. At several points. <laughs> yeah, you will have to do uh, your lessons with Snape. It's actually one of those oh, things we've kind God. of got some designs for. We haven't started implementing it yet. So, I mean, it's still sort of in the ether, but we know what we want to do. Um, 
we can talk about it later. Okay. But we definitely, definitely yeah. think it's really important and we're definitely putting in several points. You do do several lessons with Snape. So the gamer, as Harry, will have lessons yeah. with Snape. House elves, are we going to get Dobby or Winky? We're going to get Creature, aren't we? We're definitely getting Creature because he's sort of part of Grimmel Place as much as anything else. Um, but again, kind of refer you back to the answer before. We've got so many more characters before we get to Dobby. Uh, I'd be surprised if we got Dobby, to be honest. But I'd be surprised too, unfortunately. I'd rather have Creature than Dobby. Yes, far more interesting. Yeah, I mean, Dobby's role in... in this book is is also you know quite um uh, directional rather than necessarily character building so um we can substitute that with 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 some other things if we if we need to whereas you know i'd much rather concentrate on getting some of the the staff of the phoenix in the da the teachers exactly if, you know i can only say it so many times there's, there's 120 characters in the game <laughs> And my last question from my list is about dueling. Now, we've had dueling in previous games, but with Order of Phoenix, of course, we get go up to a totally different level with dueling because, of course, we have the Ministry of Magic. So is there going to be any incidental dueling kind of offshoots? I'd just like to to make a kind of a clarification there. Dueling's kind of on the table. So, you know, in some of the versions of the game, we're definitely going to put dueling in the traditional sense in. But in terms of, let's call it wizard combat, you know, that, that's pervasive throughout the story, you know, regardless whether it's the inquisitorial squad, whether you train with other members in their room of requirement, or obviously the big stuff in the, in the Ministry of Magic, the iconic right. stuff. So we are doing wizard combat throughout. Sure. Right. But it, again, it, it comes back to my point I was trying to make earlier on about, you know, in the previous games, we've had creatures to fulfill that role. So, you know, dog bogs or kind of uh, hinky punks or, you know, all these other creatures. Whereas this, you know, this, this book isn't about that. It's not about the magical creatures. It's about wizards and their conflict, this kind of good against evil conflict that's going on. And so, you know, again, it's another reason not to have kind of creature combat in the game. It's, it's about people. It's about wizards. I know I said that was my last question. I've got another last question. Final, final question now, I promise. Um, all the features we've talked about so far, will they be on all the gaming platforms? So what we've done, um, the way we've looked at the, the, the franchise and all the platforms as a whole this year, is what we wanted to do is is make the design on all platforms. So you know, everybody interprets it in a different way. But what we also wanted to do... Um, it's kind of give each platform a little twist because the way we look at the platforms, different people play different platforms for reasons. So you tend to have PC game players, not necessarily the same as, you know, Xbox 360 players, yeah. uh, NDS players, PSP players. And so we've kind of tried to think about who those people are and what they're playing and what they would like to see. But we'll talk about that a little later down the line, what those things are. But yeah. every platform has something that's kind of unique. Guys, Justin, Matt, I just want to thank you both. For, for giving us, us the opportunity because the whole fan council idea has been so warmly received and we've got this hardcore bunch who every single day are just, I mean, they're making up their own game as they go along. They're absolutely fantastic. <laughs> the suggestions, the questions, they are relentless. But um, but there is so much goodwill to EA and, and Warner Brothers for setting this up and you know giving the fans a voice and giving them 
the information first. It's, it has been very warmly received. So I'd like to both thank you both very much for uh, for the, taking your time today for the interview. And uh, that's, that's fine. I mean, I, I really wanted to get an opportunity to say thanks very much to to all the fans and for the Leaky Cauldron for for hosting the, these forums and and uh, yourself obviously for moderating them. And I have to say thank you very much for you for for saying I rock like Fred and George. Uh, that, that that really it's going made on your my cards day. now, isn't it? Uh, but I, I I genuinely want to say thanks to all the fans because all of the stuff that they've been writing really has been noted while we've been making the decisions on on how we're spending our money, what we're choosing to put in the game. Um, you know, whenever we've faced a, a difficult uh, decision to make about what 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 goes what, in and out, what goes in and out, you know, we look at what the fans are looking at as as the things that are priorities for them, and we have genuinely been. Uh, taking it the so. feedback on board yeah. yeah it's really it's really useful that's why we want to talk to you you know without you we, we can't make this game what you want yeah and, and, and thank you very much to all the fans and, and apologies if we don't put your personal favourite feature <laughs> in, uh, in advance but we are desperately trying hard to do we, we hope you want. understand why why some things don't go in as well you know that it's just as important you understand that as yeah. what goes in yeah guys it's been a pleasure and I'm sure we'll talk again soon thanks, thanks very, very much, much. Thank cheers We're out of here, dude. That that annota- that um electronic arts interview was fantastic. I'm so proud of Donna. Is the game out yet? I want the game. The day that the movie comes out, or the day after the movie comes out, yeah. or something. We will have plenty more for you on the electronics art front. Oh, for sure. That all that all came out of the fan council because yes. Donna visited the set a while back of the you know the the, the studio where they produced the video games. There's a thread in the Leaky Lounge where you give your ideas and you you tell the creators who are actually reading that thread what you want to make sure is seen, what you want to make sure happens yep. in these video games. I've never they're making this huge massive effort toward the fan toward the fans and it looks like it's paying off. I've yeah. never seen people so excited for the game. And Sue, I have to say I have to say congratulations. I saw the thread that you have been posting in hourly to get a portrait of Cedric into the game. That you can interact Me? with, and I heard <laughs> that there will now be an interactive Cedric portrait that you can talk to throughout can the whole game. Can you kiss him? Bring on you the Hufflepuff him, power, baby. Bring him presents. He winks at you. Uh-huh. You can change Does his clothes. At you? Brushes, you can brush his hair. It's going to be perfect. I'll just give you that so. Hufflepuff love, you know? I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You know? But can I say this seriously about this, this EA game? The interview on the first part, a lot of people mentioned this, and I talked to Donna, and she found this out, which was a really cool thing. That music that we heard was from was a sneak preview of the music from the Order of the Phoenix game. There now, you go, podcast exclusive. That's podcast right, baby. Exclusives. And for people like me who are obsessed with these games and play them like all the time and have them on, shamefully, I admit, several platforms. I want the soundtrack. I want the music. I love the music. So now we're going to have a video game soundtrack. Awesome. Yeah. I want it bad. Give it to yeah, me. I got to say, I still have not beaten the darn Goblet of Fire game. What? I'm stuck on the level. Um, like, I haven't even played the maze level yet because I didn't have enough oh. credits or whatever the heck it is to get to be allowed to play the next level. John, so annoyed because I, I want to. I want to fight Voldemort really, really bad. You know what? That Voldemort fight <laughs> is tough. But I'll tell you what. My son will give you some tips. Okay, John. I'm gonna call him up and ask him. I'm okay. really annoyed. <laughs>
I want a cheat code, EA guys. Give me a cheat code. You know they're building them in. How many cheat codes are in that game? It's so funny. Like, you put a code in and, like, you make Dan's hair go pink and it'd be hilarious. I'm sure they'll all come out shortly. Yeah. Put everybody in underwear. I was just going to say... You know, because the, there's they're talking possibility of, of peeves in this in this second part here. Yes. That, you know, and and Fred and George, <clears throat> Fred and George, and um, you know, you never know what'll happen. I just see these guys because they're so into making this game for the fans. You know, yeah. I just can be fun. Well, you can hear it in their voices, the the excitement yeah. and just you know the passion they have for the project. It's it's uncanny. Rocking. Did, so, did you meet him, John? Did you meet? I'm sorry. You all met them, right? When you yeah, went on the set. set, we met them very briefly. They did a they did an interactive um, demonstration, and they um, they were just so nice. And the guy Matt is such a big fan. It's so great. Fan of what? The books. Of oh, you, John. <laughs> well, I do what I can. Yeah. Anyway, last week we didn't do our MySpace shoutouts. We're sorry. We forgot. We just we're terrible. This week. We've got a double dose. <laughs> double dose. Who wants to read them? Um, let's so like raise your head now. alternate like each name. Let's what? Let's like alternate name by name. Alternate? All right, so you start. Okay. Okay. Um, Llama Llama Duck. Mr. Blood Potter. Paula. Yeah. Dyslexic. The Midwest. Nothing wrong with Nyad. What is a Nyad? Some kind of goat. Okay. Allie, how did you know that? I'm a genius. Are you even lying or what? I have no idea what that is. <laughs> I said for a moment. You sounded so serious. <laughs> it's a good No better. <laughs> no, I know. You, you have, have to go faster. Shows. Okay, my Allie is our friend. Yep. Okay. Anna, Mrs. Fred Weasley. Sebby Snape is our friend. Mandy. Adam. Zach is our friend. Zach's been on this before. Yes, he has. Zach, how dare there be more than one Zach in the world? I oh. bet you it's the same Zach. How much How much money do you want to bet me? Because he's a squeer man. He, he rocks. Okay. Hi, Zach. Who's up? Oh, Amy. I don't know. Harry Potter fan. And Comments. then we have... <laughs> no. Oh, Garth. Uh, oh, Kitty, Kitty. Dwight L. McPherson. <laughs> Edgar A. Pooh. Jax. <laughs> Jax. Christine. Shannon. Abby. John. <laughs> you're not there. <laughs> <laughs> you like. <laughs> Carly. John. You're next. Carla. We missed Bob. Bob. Bob is the name of the soap from Lush that I want. Bob is the name of the soap from Lush that I want. I'm sorry. Did we do Carla already? Carla has been shouted out a lot. Oh, okay. Carla's How about Harry Potter news? Harry Potter news 101. Messages. I knew you were going to say that. Oh. I knew it. I knew it. I was waiting for it. It's the heading. You should bold the titles. The, the heading is, sorry that I haven't formatted it to your ultimate convenience, John. You Noe. should, because that's what, you know, you're here for. <laughs> okay. Why don't you go on to the actual shout out, please? Yeah, John, you read this whole list. You go for it now. Come <laughs> no, come on. Do your thing. Let's go around. Katie. Okay. Aloha Mora. Rodney. Rod. John. <laughs> then I'll go oh, next. Sin. Take turns. Oh. John, no, he does not play well with others. <gasps> this is what it said on all his report cards. I know. So good. Sarah Lindsay. Grendeline. Ke- Geraldine. <laughs> Kira. Grendeline, that's Ju- Grendelwald's wife, right? Rudolph. John, I'm so serious. Stop. I'm not good with names. You're not good with what? Spelling? What is pronouncing? What about you? You, what, you once barreled through, barreled through a list of these in about three seconds flat, and now you can't pronounce them? Well, these are more complicated names. Okay. Kira, and now Sue. Rudahora. Oh, Rudahadora. <laughs> There's Zach know. again. Oh, no. Zach, you're infiltrating. Yeah. Oh, look at the message I have. Okay. John, you do the next name. Come on, John. Do it. Um, Senor Fancy Pants. Make Fancy Pants, thank you. Make Fancy, Fancy Pants. I got Marty. Millionaire Playboy. Captain Knight. Minx. Alyssa. Christopher. Battle Buzz. And I'm not doing what they want us to do, which is an actual plug. Yeah. Dot org. Dot org. Sue. Uh, Jackie. Veronica. Jeanette. Jace. Viral Rye Ryan. 
Byrillion. John. Byrillion. Amy. Alexi Amalini. Starbrett. Melissa. Changs, comma, Cho. <laughs> Chang Cho. Chang Cho. Uh, Alison. Doberman. Daniel, comma, California. This is the commas. Yeah. I don't know. Alex. Two S's. X's. Double X. Uh-oh. He's a naughty Alex. Air. Albert Baldry. Hi, Albert. Kimmers. And, and Zeru. There. We got through them. Oh, my God. Let's that never... took like 10 <laughs> minutes. Let's never, ever do that again. Our, our shout-out collector, Lizzie, wanted me to remind you that you are going to have to leave us which name you want used in your shout-out because it's really hard for her to go and find the name of somebody whose who's MySpace user handle is like L at pound ampersand I-Y-P-Q zero. Yes. You know? And please attach the phonetic um, pronunciation for your names. You get a shout-out on Pottercast by friending us, putting us in your top friends list, and letting us know. Well, guys, is that it? Can we get out of here? Because that I'm so tired from that little thing. Well, I'm out of breath. I've never spoken that fast in my life. Okay. <laughs> Don't forget, vote for us at Podcast Alley. Register for Phoenix Rising at thephoenixrises.org. And we will see you next week. Next week? I'm going to go finish decorating for Christmas. I'm going to go eat very a Klondike bar. What would you do for a Klondike bar? Toby is. Oh, and about time to... We've missed it. I confess myself disappointed. Now, if you two don't mind, I'm going to bed. Great, Scott. No wonder. Look at the time. We've been here nearly four hours. Spooky how the time flies when one's having fun. (laughs) Today's podcast is brought to you by Borders. Oh, <laughs> I like that voice. <laughs> Tell that to our corporate sponsor. Like Ernest, Ernest does Pottercast, Dad. <laughs> Sorry. Today's Pottercast is brought to you by Borders. Get a magical stop to okay, your house. Okay, okay. <laughs> My God. <laughs> we are professional people with corporate sponsors. Yes, this is Sorry. us. Yeah, and if you want to join me in heckling Melissa during her keynote, email me at John at the Leaky Cauldron and if you want to, with your ideas. If you want to join me in firing John after my keynote, email me at <laughs> Melissa at the <laughs> Meanwhile. A group firing. Yes. You, you could sp- split it up with, like, everybody gets a word. John, no, you're fired. Hey, you're, yes. you're fired. And, right. At which point I will moon you. Visit com. Get 20% off your Klondike orders by mentioning podcast. To who? <laughs> Your friend. <laughs> With these random commercials. You shout Pottercast at the screen and it gives you 20%. Yeah. Pottercast. Why isn't it working? <laughs> Mom. It didn't work. I need my Klondikes. 